Good evening. This is a presentation of Movement Radio. Welcome to another edition of The Hauntings of. And now, here are your hosts, Chip Hazard and Talon Williams. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of The Hauntings of right here on Movement Radio. I'm Talon Williams alongside Chip Hazard, and today, ladies and gentlemen, we will be discussing the hauntings of the state of Wisconsin. So, Chip, what can we look forward to in today's episode? As most people would know, Wisconsin is known as America's Dairyland, which conjures up a fairly innocent picture. When you think of Wisconsin, you, you think of what? Cheese, breweries, outdoor pursuits. However, there is also a darker side to Wisconsin. The state is filled with dark and foreboding places, abandoned buildings, creepy roads, and a variety of terrifying specters. So, let's take a look at some of the most haunted places in the state of Wisconsin. Talon, you got the first one? I do, and we're going to talk about Boy Scout Lane, and this is in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Don't let the name fool you. Boy Scout Lane sounds pleasant enough, but it is actually one of the most haunted places in Wisconsin. The Dead End Road was named in honor of some Boy Scouts who died there during a camp during a camping trip many years ago. But records are sketchy with regard to how they actually died. As you might imagine, this means there that there are a number of versions of the tale floating around. Some say that the boys were murdered by the their bus driver while others believe they were simply got were they just simply went missing in the woods and they were never found. Yet more stories suggest that one scout dropped a kerosene lantern accidentally and started a fire that killed the rest of his troop. Whatever the true story is, visitors agree that if you visit Boy Scout Lane at night, you are likely to see a light of a solitary lamp bobbing through the trees. It is said that this is either someone searching for the lost Boy Scouts or perhaps the spirit of the one Boy Scout who started the fire. Oh. Yeah, that one's, yeah, that that, that one's weird to me. Uh, from the standpoint, it's like, man, you know, like, because it, it, it's one of those stories where it's like you really don't know what the truth is. And there's been so many different versions of the story that you really don't know what the real story is. I mean, a kerosene lantern accidentally, you know, killing the truth, you know, starting the fire. That, that, here's my thing. If it started me, the whole forest would have been set on fire if that was the case. Correct? You would think, unless they right. got it put out pretty quick. Yeah, but even, but I mean, if you, even, but even if you put out, even if you put it out pretty quick, I mean, it wouldn't be enough to kill everybody. I mean, sure, you'd have maybe second and third degree burns or maybe one or it, it, worst case scenario. I mean, I say worst case scenario. It's not really worst case scenario. But like, I mean, at at best, maybe one person, you know. Yeah, worst case scenario, maybe one person died. But I mean, the entire troop and then and, and also, I mean, the whole the, the whole bus driver, uh, you know, killing them off like. What was the bus driver's motives? And then even though in the, you know, they got lost in the woods and they were never found, that one seems plausible to me because, I mean, if you're in the woods for a long time and you really don't know, you don't have any survival tactics or anything like that, like you've never seen an episode of Naked and Afraid or whatever, you're, you know, pretty, right? you know, you're pretty, you're pretty much screwed either way. Um, 
where's your head at with this one? Uh, to me, it sounds very much like an urban legend. Right. Uh, which, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but j- just, you know, because it says that, you know, some say the boys were murdered by the bus driver. Others believe they just went missing and were never found. And some stories suggest one of the scouts dropped a kerosene lantern. Like, it, it, it seems to be the uh, more of an urban legend than anything. Uh, right. But, you know, the the one thing that kind of draws you to the, the haunted like, paranormal of it is when it says that visitors agree that if you visit Boy Scout Lane at night, you will likely see the light of a solitary lantern bobbing through the trees as if someone was walking. Right. And then it makes you wonder, it's like, yeah, it got kind of what, what the blurb said. Is this one, is this the Lost Boy Scouts? You know, is it, is it the one who started the fire? Could they be the Boy Scouts themselves who got lost and they're trying to find their way back? Or could it possibly be someone else looking for the Lost Scouts? So you, you never know. Right. Um, either way, though, that would still be something weird that you would mean. If you're first of all, I wouldn't go to this place at night to begin with. You know, secondly, even if the it, it, even if I had a, a a big lapse of in uh, of sanity and went to this place at night and I seen a little light bobbing up and down, I mean, this just me and this is maybe me being skeptical, which is weird that I'm being skeptical, but I'm pretty sure Wisconsin has fireflies, right? Uh, I mean, you know, they could see, see a, some fi- they could see some fireflies, you know. I'm I'm just saying, you know. Oh, I'm sorry, lightning bugs for the people in, in the South. They're called lightning bugs. I, I I I've always called them fireflies, but whatever. But anyway, all right. Yeah, so that I mean, I've always known of them as uh, lightning bugs, but that's me. right. Uh, right. No. Yeah, it, it it says that they do. It says there there are more than two thousand different species of fireflies throughout the world, uh, and around two dozen of them uh, inhabit Wisconsin. There you go. Yeah, it says they're so they're most notable. Exactly, it says they're most notable in June, July, and August. Mm. Maybe you see the rare one if you go in like around Halloween or something like that. Maybe you see one. But anyway, that being said, though, uh, let's move on to the very next one on the list. You got it? I do. Next up, we're going to talk about Dartford Cemetery, and this is in Green Lake, Wisconsin. So Dartford Cemetery looks very much like a garden, but appearances can be deceiving. And this is one of the most haunted cemeteries in the state of Wisconsin. Perhaps the most well-known guest that hangs out here is that of Chief Highknocker. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chief Highknocker, who apparently drowned in 1911 when he attempted to swim across a river while making his way to Green Lake, which was considered to be a sacred location by the Native Americans. 
Another common sighting is a soldier from the Civil War era marching through the cemetery. Hold on. I, I Okay, I was not aware that the Civil War was fought in Wisconsin. Mm, me neither. I mean, I always thought that... I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a northern state, you know, but I didn't think that that was... Yeah, that one was that one's weird. Yeah, um, but interesting. Uh, there have also been reports of a variety of other paranormal activity, including shadow figures, unexplained sounds, orbs of light, and one particular phenomenon which occurs when visitors sit on top of a mausoleum on the south side of the cemetery. Anyone who sits on top of this particular mausoleum is said to be pushed off of it by the ghost of a child who is buried there. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. No, so not getting, not getting pushed by no ghost kid. No, not no, it's not happening. No. But anyway, not, not not at all. <laughs> but my my main question is, why are you sitting on top of the mausoleum? I, I don't. That's what I'm thinking. I I, I mean, uh, kudos. Yeah. I, I would have to say kudos to to the ghost of this child. Be like, no, bitch, get off my final resting place. This is mine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Maybe that kid was like, nah, they took they took my life. This I'm, this, this 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 my mausoleum. You ain't, I ain't going nowhere. Right. But anyway. so, uh, but how are you feeling about this one? It, it it's it's interesting. Um, the one that's really interesting is is, is Chief Highknocker. Who apparently drowned in in in, in 1911, uh, which is considered to be a sacred location by the by the native by the by the local Native Americans. So maybe because you know there's a lot of you know um, Native American legends, different things like that about you know. Um, I don't know if there is a Native American legend about resurrection. I'm not 100 percent sure, but could that be one of the spirits that you see? Um, the, the, the you know about the, the the soldier from the Civil War marching through the cemetery is he there protecting the the cemetery is he there to keep people out what exactly is is that whole thing about you know uh, and then of course you got of course the, the normal shadowy figures the unexplained sounds the orbs of light or dust particles according to taps everything's a damn dust particle um, you know the 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 the, ma the mausoleum is the one that's the very uh, that's probably one of the most interesting things because it's one that you can actually go to, and you could actually go to the top. Um, kind of like right here uh, in the, at the Chickamauga Battlefield, there's the, there's the tower at the Chickamauga Battlefield, and you can go inside and you can go up to the top or whatever. Um, right. It's weird because like there's lot. I mean, there's windows and stuff. Even if, even if you go during the daytime and you go, but almost right before you get to the top of it, it it's almost pitch black, like you can't really see anything. Um, until you actually like get to the top of uh, the actual thing or whatever. I don't know if it's like that for this one particularly. I mean, I'm looking at the photo and I really don't see the tower anywhere um, that they talk about, the mausoleum that they talk about. Um, and if you look at the picture that they show, it does kind of look like a garden. You know, it's got the nice trees. It's very, you know, beautifully done. Um, and Chip, if anybody wants to take a look at this picture, where can they go? Check it out at hauntedrooms.com. We're not sponsored. One day we hope to be. Shout out to Haunted Rooms America. Thank you for the content that you are helping. Uh, thank you for content providing us with this content for the program today. 
All right. That being said, you ready to go to the next one? Yes, sir. All right. Now, this is the Grand Opera House, and this is in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. I hope I said the name of that city correctly. It is said that the Grand Opera House, which was built in 1883, is haunted by Percy Keene, who was the stage manager there for several decades. The paranormal activity seems to be focused on the balcony, which is where uh, Percy is most often spotted. There is also reports of a phantom dog, unexplained footsteps, and a strange orange-tinted mist that hovers on the stage. Now, unfortunately, Haunted Rooms America this uh, has only given that uh, only this uh, blurb to go on. Um, but thanks to the magic of good old Al Gore's internet, we can simply go to Google and going to look up the Grand. I don't want not the Grand Budapest Hotel. We already looked at that. Um, so yeah, the Grand Opera House. Opera House, there we go. Grand Opera House, and this is in Wisconsin. Oshkosh, Wisconsin, there we go. And it's still okay, so it has a Wikipedia page, um, but it doesn't have anything related to the hauntings, unfortunately. It's just a simple paragraph. Um, but they have an actual website that you can go and check out. Um, not really much of anything, just TED Talks and shit. But, you know, that's a different story. Um, I'm trying to find like other. Let me, let me look up hauntings real quick and see if anybody's got a haunted story or maybe somebody there who. Uh, see, okay, here we go. Here we go. Chip from one of your favorite websites, OnlyInYourState.com. Uh, <laughs> I do like um, that website. I, I like it. So I'll give you the quick little blurb that they give you. One of the most stunning, beautiful buildings in all of Wisconsin is located in Oshkosh. It is the Grand Opera. Uh, it, is, it is the Grand Opera House. This opera house was built in, in back in the 1800s, and its performances have been blah 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 blah. I'm trying to find the hauntings. Okay, but just because it's been restored doesn't mean that it is wiped from wipes out its history. You see, this opera house has phantoms. In fact, that uh, it is haunted by one phantom in particular. Many people think that it is the former stage manager Percy Keene. Keene was a stage manager here for many years. He was he has been spotted numerous times all around the balcony. In addition to Keene, the phantom dog has been spotted as well, and it appears it appears to be so real that actors on stage are ordered to remove the dog from stage. The actors, however, reported that there is no dog on stage. Another scary thing about the opera house is the orange mist that appears on stage. This is not a prop or anything. Finally, numerous attendees and actors have reported hearing phantom footsteps walk through the building. This comes at all times of the day. Most of the time, there is no one there. But these ghosts have not kept concert goers away. In fact, this just seems to be part of the appeal of the opera house. People come from a world People come for a world-class show, but they also secretly hope that the Phantoms will reveal themselves. So there you go. Huh, I thought that's I, interesting. I, thought I, it, I figured we'd get a little bit more than what we got. Um, you know, I, I mean, because obviously the only thing that they have is just this story. So how are you feeling about this particular one? It, it, it's it's one of those that I want to know more, 
but there's not more like right clearly we we've looked and there's there's not more so oh yeah i i just you know yeah and 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 it's not really i mean if you look at their upcoming lineup they really don't have anything like big they got they got abba mania which is a tribute which is an abba tribute band barracuda which is a tribute heart band um they got barracuda um, they got Motown Christmas. Um, they do a couple, a couple of other ones for the Motown sounds. A couple of TED Talks. Uh, uh, James Garner's tribute to Johnny Cash. Blah 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 blah, and a couple of other things. So, so I mean, really nothing like outstanding or anything like that, you know. So. But anyway, right. um, and no disrespect to the Grand uh, Opera, you know, Opera House, you know what I'm saying? If you guys keep making money, cool, do you, boo-boo. But uh, uh, nothing nothing that they're showing just doesn't appeal, I guess. Uh, but anyway, the, 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 the story of Percy King, though, that kind of, why specifically did he haunt the place? If, you know, if he's the main reason why the hauntings are taking place, you know, was he so beloved or was he? Did he just love the place so much that he just didn't want to leave it? You think? Uh, that's very possible, to be honest. Uh, you know, we have heard stories of you know ghosts uh, sticking around uh, certain places because they they just loved that place, not anything other than right. Well, we, 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 there was also the one story that we heard about the one. Uh, I can't remember what state it was, but it was the story of the lady who stayed in the house and she would haunt the people who wouldn't take care of the house or didn't like keep it clean or something like that. Like, very, uh, yes, I can't remember which state it was or if it was even the same thing, but yeah. Um, but anyway, that being said, um, you uh, you want to move on to the next one? You got it? I do. The next one up on the list is. Bloody Bride Bridge, and this is in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. We're going okay. back to Stevens Point for this one. Well, and yeah. you intrigued me already with Bloody Bride Bridge. I'm right. Bloody Bride Bridge. That actually sounds like a like a like like a song on like a death metal record or something. I don't know. I, exactly. <laughs> um, so there is a certain stretch of County Highway 66 that is. <coughs> excuse me. You good? Okay, let's try that again. Let's try that again. Without choking. Um, (laughs) There is a certain stretch of County Highway 66 that is known informally as Bloody Bride Bridge thanks to the specter that is said to haunt it. Okay. Okay. Local law enforcement denies that the accident described in the local legend actually occurred. But residents in the area will tell you otherwise. Hmm. Yeah, now I'm really intrigued. Okay, so law enforcement denies it, but the locals say it really happened. Okay. Yeah. Was yeah. there a cover up? That's what or... I'm thinking. Let's keep let's keep going. I'm, I'm intrigued. Let's keep going. 
All right. The story suggests that several years ago, a bride and groom were driving home from their wedding when the car spun out of control. They crossed the bridge that carries Highway 66 over the Plover River. Several years after the fatal accident, a police officer is said to have struck a woman in a wedding gown while driving across the bridge. But when he got out to investigate, there was nothing there. On turning back to his vehicle, he found the woman splattered with blood sitting in his back seat. What the fuck, bro? Wow. Dude. Many people since have seen the bloody bride standing on the bridge on rainy nights, and local urban legends say that if you stop on the bridge at midnight, both the bride and her groom will manifest in your back seat. I ain't stopping on no bridge at no time of day, let alone midnight. Yeah. Uh, okay, so this one's got me really, really dude, intrigued. Dude, dude, my, dude, the hair on my arm is like standing on end, dude. Like that one, uh, that that one got me, dude. All right. So we're going to go back to our favorite website, Only in Your State. Yes. And uh, there, there is an article here. Uh, and it's, it says, do you believe in the paranormal that spirits long, linger longer after bodies have passed? Even if you're a, a bit skeptical of the paranormal, you've likely heard some of the many haunted tales in Wisconsin. One in particular may be worth checking out. Here's the story of Bloody Bride Bridge, said to be the most haunted bridge in Wisconsin. So... Uh, Bloody Bride Bridge isn't, of course, the official name of this said-to-be-haunted bridge in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. However, its moniker does hint as to what drivers can expect. Officially known as Highway 66 Bridge, the bridge sits near Jordan Park and has long been associated with a tragic tale. Whether that tale is true or not is really up to each person to decide. But here's how it goes. Many years ago, a bride and groom crossed over the Highway 66 bridge on their wedding night. The couple got into a terrible accident, killing the bride. There's no mention of the groom's fate, although his spirit has been mentioned in some versions of this tale. Not long after her death, the distraught bride began to wander back and forth on the bridge, still in her bloody wedding gown. Some say she's most easily seen on rainy nights. However, that's just the beginning of the tale. The legend says that a police officer driving over the bridge accidentally hit the distraught woman in the middle of the road. He got out of the car to check on her, and she was gone. When he returned to her car, he found her in the back seat. Others over the years have told similar stories. Even if you don't see the distraught and bloodied bride, you may still feel a bit uneasy. It's not uncommon for drivers to see a ghostly fog or even out-of-place rock formations on the bridge. Oh, wow. 
So we went from yeah. just we went from just this this one bride to now there's fog and rock formations. Wow. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this one's very interesting to me. Very interesting. Very, very scary, in fact. Um, uh, there's also another website called Stevens Point uh, Area where it actually talks about the Haunted Bridge, um, saying that the bridge is on Highway 66 near Jordan Park about the woman. It says, since the encounter, the bride is set to haunt all th- Okay, all three bridges. Hold on a second. There's a different one. Okay, hold on a second. It says perhaps the most haunted place in Stevens Point is the haunted bridges, Red Bridge on Casimir Road, Black Bridge, and Bloody Bride Bridge on Highway 66. We do know the story about the, the bride that was killed on her wedding night, blah, 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 blah. But this article says that she actually haunts all three of the bridges. And especially late at night and during the winter months. Since all three bridges are popular for fishing, fishermen on the water late at night. Why the fuck would you fish at night? Never mind, it ain't my my life. At night, often have experiences with the bride. And many residents have their own stories about the location. Passing through this location during the day will be encounter free. But beware visiting at nighttime when she is on the prowl. What the hell, bro? (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, wow. Yeah, that yeah, let's uh, uh, I don't don't know how far this uh, this 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 bride's reach is. So, hey, you know, we we hope you we hope you found your husband, your groom, um, right? You know. So, that being said, let's move on to the next one. I'm still getting freaked out. Oh, it ain't gonna get no better. Okay. All right, the next one is Hotel Hell. And this is in Marybelle, Wisconsin. Okay. The Marybelle Caves Hotel has come to be known as Hotel Hell thanks to some of the strange things that have been going on there throughout the years. There was originally a, it was originally a health spa on the site which was in operation in the late 1800s. But the hotel was built there in 1900. It was constructed from limestone blocks, giving it its unusual fort-like appearance. A fire broke out at the hotel in 1985, and it closed down shortly thereafter. Since then, the tales of the paranormal surrounding the hotel have continued to grow. As well as tales of floating objects, apparitions, unsettling feelings, and people being touched by invisible hands, there is also much darker tales. It is said... That a coven of dark witches used to empty building and that they have managed to open a portal to hell, allowing the dark entities that now haunt the building to come through. It seems like Hotel Hell really lives up to its name and it remains one of the most haunted places in Wisconsin. Huh. So how do you feel about this one? Uh... After Bloody Bride Bridge, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, at the blood. Oh, I mean, you went from Bloody Bride Bridge to a coven of witches summoning evil spirits out of the straight out of the mouth of hell. I mean, yeah, um, I mean, you, you have a choice: a Bloody Bride ghost or something from hell. Um, I'll, I'm gonna take my chances with the bride, honestly. Like, 
yeah, yeah <laughs> I'm gonna go with the bride. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, at least she doesn't seem to. Like, she's just gonna appear in your back seat. Uh, she just wants a ride. That's all she wants. Right. Yeah. She just wants to get across the bridge. But uh, whew, this is uh, yeah. yeah. The dark witches, though. I mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know, Wiccan, you know, you know, witches, or you know, whatever it was, you know, the Voodoo Queen Marie Laveau or whatever. Um, but she didn't really summon demons. She was more like a voodoo thing. Anyway, um, but anyway, so yeah. That being said, I mean, this one's very, very dark. Um, I don't really know if anybody because they said that they said that it's closed down, so. Obviously, I don't think that anybody would still be going there. Mary Bell Hotel. Here we go. This is a village in Wisconsin. Dude, you can still get... Wait, can you still book it? Oh, that's interesting if you can. Hold, hold on. What? You can still... Hold on a minute. This can't be... Re- hold on a second. Uh, okay, hold on. All right, so this is from Herald Times reporter. Um, and it's from oh, listen, it's, it's an old article, it's back from 2014. Um, uh, yeah, it just talks about how you know it's, it, it's history and blah 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 blah. And then it says that <laughs> the building would later reopen in, eight, in 1981. It was purchased by Jeff Miller. Unfortunately, in 85, the historical structure was engulfed by fire and a new era of tales was created with the abandoned Ethiopian castle-like building towering over the landscape that a sleeping mammoth. There have naturally been reports of the hotel being haunted. Um, yeah, I'm trying to look at this. Okay, it says when when HTR Media asked Sue Cornley in 2002 if these stories had any validity, she said that it was not entirely accurate. Her husband Richard, grandson of the original owner Charles Steinbecker, told her that the only ghost he ever saw was his grandfather walking around in his one-piece nightshirt. Um, I don't give a damn one piece night shirt, one ghost, one encounter. I ain't coming back to this hotel. Yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Not only is the inn known for its ghost tales, it is known to have been frequented by gangsters. When prohibition was introduced and the 18th amendment was passed in 1920, many people of the United States still wanted to enjoy beer and spirits. With that came the notorious bootleggers and organized crime running the show. According to reports, John Dillinger allegedly frequented the hotel as a stove, as a stopover on his way to Eagle River. It is also said that the notorious Al Capone was known to visit this hotel. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so- very interesting. So you have a little bit of the, uh, little bit of the mafioso involved with this as well. So who knows? <laughs> but there you go. That being said, let's move on from this one to the next one, and of course, you get this one. Go ahead. Yep, of course. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about one of our favorite things. 
uh, from every state, pretty much. And we're going to talk about the Clark County Insane Asylum in Owen, Wisconsin. Uh, so, the Clark County Insane Asylum was one of them. Okay. Some of the barbaric treatment methods... Uh, is there something missing? No? Okay. Uh, sorry. Uh, Clark County Insane Asylum was one of them. Some of the barbaric treatment methods included electroshock therapy, ice water submersion, and even bloodletting. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Many, many of the patients that were subjected to these torments turned on the staff and even murdered some of them. These days, the old asylum is said to be one of the most haunted buildings in Wisconsin, with those who visit reporting apparitions, strange noises, and disembodied voices. Mm -hmm. uh, now, unfortunately, that is all that uh, Haunted Rooms gives us, but through the, the great th um, use of the wonderful internet, we can do a quick Google search and find. Mm, here we go. Let's see. Mm, that's not, that's just the same thing at foundinwisconsin.com. Uh, Yeah, that, that looks like that might be all that there is about the... Oh, here we go. Here's just a little bit more. Okay. Uh, it, it's not not a whole lot, but it's from a website called mindrighthomes.com. Um, so, when talking about the Clark County Insane Asylum, it says that it was commissioned by the state board to be built in 1920. And it was made specifically for housing the insane. At first, the construction of the building and its intended use was highly anticipated by the public. The new asylum was established under a protective and custodial concept of providing human care and kind treatment to long-term patients. There were even arguments regarding where in Wisconsin the asylum should be built to serve the maximum uh, population possible. Ultimately, 1,065 acres of land in Owen, Wisconsin was purchased at the cost of $103,600, which would be the equivalent today of $1.3 And on January 2nd, 1920, construction started. Uh, by 1936, Clark County Asylum housed 316 patients who were deemed as having little hope to return to society. Okay, so there wasn't a huge overpopulation problem here like most. No, yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, the humane care and kind treatment quickly fell away. 
many of the patients that lived in the asylum were subject to terrible experimental treatments. Some mm-hmm. of the barbaric treatment methods including or included electroshock therapy, ice water submersion, and bloodletting. At one point, after years of torture, a group of patients supposedly turned on the staff and murdered some of them during a patient outbreak. With so much injustice and violence committed within the asylum walls, it's no surprise that it's said to be one of the most haunted buildings in Wisconsin. Visitors who make it out alive report witnessing apparitions, strange noises, and disembodied voices throughout the asylum halls. I mean, um, have so, there any been have there any been known to die? I mean, I'm pretty sure if you go in, everybody makes it out alive. <laughs> Unless there's, you know, something else we don't know about, but I doubt it. Right. Like, <laughs> that's just the fact that they threw that in there was like, um, ho- hold on. What What do you mean, make it out the, the alive? Make it alive. <laughs> yeah, how many people have died in here since it got shut down? Right. And even then, I don't I mean, still, even then, I don't even know if I want to go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the picture, and it's an old-ass picture. You know, it looks like it's been... Like one of them old, 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 old timey pictures, you know. Look, it looks more like a drawing than a picture that you take with a camera or something. But it's still, I mean, even still looking at it now, it looks creepy as fuck. So, right. So, but yeah, I mean, my God, I mean, electroshock therapy, ice water submerging, and bloodletting, like, that, ugh. I mean, I mean, is it is it one of those situations where it's like? The treatment that they gave them drove them to the insanity, and uh, and just it's almost like they were like victims of their own, uh, not the patients, but the the, the people administering these uh, barbaric treatments, treatment methods. You know, it's almost like they they were responsible for the way that they responded, obviously, and then. You, you, you do you understand what I'm saying? Well, I'm trying to yeah, say that. that's uh, no, no, no. I get what you're saying, you know. Um, but yeah, it's so this one's pretty interesting because when I seen, you know, insane asylum, I, I, I immediately went to my my brain went to overpopulation, inhumane treatment, and stuff like that. And yes, there was inhumane treatment, but not overpopulation. Right, and well, I mean, but then again, I mean, this is Owen, Wisconsin. I mean, maybe there wasn't a whole lot of people in Wisconsin. I mean, comparable to like a New York or you know, Florida or something like that. But I mean, or Texas or some or some big state. Um, but even then, I mean, I mean, no overpop overpopulation was non-existent. But yeah, still the barbaric treatments. I mean, God, electroshock therapy, ice water submersion. I mean, hell, nowadays, you know, you jump in a, you know, a thing, submerging a bucket of ice in, in a tub of ice water. It's like part of sports therapy now. You know what I mean? So, right. Or it's, that, uh, you know, a, an internet challenge. Yeah. One of those stupid things. By the way, check out our internet ch- or dumb internet challenges uh, from a couple of from about a year or so ago. Y'all go check that out one out. That being said, though, let's move on to the very next one. And this next one is called Witch Road. And this is in Repom, uh, Wisconsin. Repom, Wisconsin. Callan Road in Ripon, 
of Wisconsin is better known as Witch Road largely because it is said to be haunted by the spirit of a witch that inhabits the woods surrounding the road. Those driving the road at night describe how the gnarled branches of the trees cast gruesome shadows in their headlights before taking the form of a twisted old crone, the witch. Some of the, some have seen strange flashing lights in the woods close to where the remains of an old house believed to have belonged to the witch is located. This is certainly one of the most haunted locations in Wisconsin and is not for the faint of heart. Now, again, unfortunately, this is all the information that Haunted Rooms America has provided for us. But if we go to our good friends over at Google and we look up which road in let's see repon wisconsin yes um it's actually uh the uh, the press.com has an editorial that is entitled don't trespass on which road um it says oh okay this is just a okay hold on this is just a letter to the editor, this was published on October 23rd, 2013. It says, To the editor, the landowners along uh, Callan Road are sick and tired of locals, outsiders, and paranormal groups walking past our no trespass signs with no regard for someone else's private property. They are illegally trespassing and littering on our property, looking for things that do not exist. There is no house, there is no witch, nothing but quiet woods. Please leave us the hell alone. Robert Leeds, W112739 Callan Road. To read the entire letter, see the October 31st, 2013 edition of this Commonwealth Press. So obviously there's people who still, there's a person who still lived on the property. Um, and they are sick and tired of people messing with their uh, property. So it kind of, you know. Anyway, how are you feeling about this one so far? Oh, uh, this one's a little, a little weird. Um, okay. I don't know. Like, so it it, it just says that you know drivers. Uh, to describe gnarled branches of the tree cast gruesome shadows in their headlights before taking on the form of a twisted old crone known as the witch is right. is so is that merely a my mind is playing tricks on me kind of thing or is this really you know happening kind of thing you know what i mean this is my skepticism jumping out at me because when you read that and it was like, you know, oh, they described the gnarled branches. Like I've personally driven through not this particular place, but through places where you get like these gnarled old branches mm-hmm. and everything. And anywhere through North Georgia. That's not like a, like in major towns or whatever. It's gonna have, you know, like going down them them long ass you know two lane roads going like through Canton, Georgia or Jasper or whatever. Like, right? You know, 
you know, and, and there have been times where I've been driving along and, you know, you do see the gnarled branches and then all of a sudden, like, I'll slow down real quick and I'm like, damn, did I see a deer or, or you know, I mean, I thought I saw a hitchhiker or something, you right. know, and you don't want to run into, you don't want to run over a person or hit a deer because deer are made out of like a special kind of uh, fabric that never hurts them, but tears your car to hell. Right. Or at least the ones here in the South do. I'm not sure about everywhere. Trucks totaled. <laughs> yeah. Trucks totaled. The deer ran away. <laughs> right. Uh, by so, God, I got the antler and I got the antler in the grill. <laughs> Look, right. Find a deer with one antler. I'm gonna kill that son bitch. Um, I can hear I can hear somebody saying it. But anyway, go yeah, ahead. Uh, th- this one, I, I don't know. Like I said, this is just a little weird, and, and maybe it's my skepticism playing a trick on me. But it really seems more like a a, a case of, or or you know, um, cases of my mind is playing tricks on me more than it being an actual witch right well let me let me see if i can help your skepticism uh there was there's another article that i found it's called unexplainedresearch.com and it's from a gentleman by the name of chad lewis um who who talks about how, how there was you know the reputed history the investigation the reputed phenomena and the actual investigation itself now excuse me it says that Approximately 50 to 60 year old witch lived in a house on Witch Road uh, just outside of Rosendale, and the road has remained haunted ever since her death. Also, the ghost of a little girl hides in these woods as well. Okay. At night, certain parts of the road are unusually dark and cold. After dark, the sound of, a, of trickling water can be heard near the road, although there is no stream nearby. The witch's dilapidated house can still be seen in the woods. People have seen flashing lights at both ends of the road. White lights have been observed along the trees. There is a tree on the side of the road that resembles the witch, and the ghost of a little girl has been seen uh, hiding in the woods and peeking out from behind the trees. Now, after the investigation, they did four, uh, it was just four little bullet points that they did. Okay. We did locate the that we did locate the broken down old house where the witch is supposedly where the witch is supposed to have lived and found that it had been fallen into a state of utter disrepair. Further investigation is needed to determine the ownership of the history of ownership and the history of the property. A small brook was spotted along the road which would kind of account for the sound of the trickling water. We spoke to the to an with an eyewitness who reported seeing a mysterious light on the road, and with a little imagination, any number of old trees along the road could resemble and could could resemble a traditional Halloween style witch, with, you know, if you imagine the correct, you know, or whatever. So, again, this is from somebody who decided to do their own little investigation. Um, so it wasn't like someone just theorizing; it was actually someone who actually went to the um road and did their own personal investigation and then uh reported back to their their findings or whatever right so 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 after really after hearing that do is your skepticism kind of swayed one way or the other or are you more like eh, it could still be coincidence I, I for me yeah i still think it could be coincidence 
uh, you know, because I mean, he literally said, um, you know, any uh, array of of branches could trigger this this feeling of what or whatnot. So, right. And it's and it did say, you know, it is not for the faint of heart. Well, we shall right. see. But then again, also, I mean, we've never been there, so I mean, I don't know exactly what the feeling would be. I think it's just the anticipation of, hey, this place could be haunted, and then that's when your fight or flight mentality kicks in, or whatever. Right. That being said, though, let's move on to the very next one. Uh, once again, <laughs> it's something that you you we we've enjoyed talking about. Go ahead. Yep. Uh, Next up, we're going to talk about St. Joseph's Hospital, and this is in Marshfield, Wisconsin. Uh, So hospitals are always a good choice when you're seeking out a haunted building, and St. Joseph's Hospital in Marshfield certainly fits the bill. The paranormal activity here seems to be more or less restricted to the west wing of the hospital. One of the most commonly reported apparitions is a man in a black robe who has been seen by staff and patients alike wandering the halls and coming in and out of patients' rooms. Nobody, uh, nobody has managed to determine who he is or why he is haunting the hospital. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it does, it does seem like he's, you know, a, a fairly tame and, and friendly ghost here. Um, right. Maybe he's one of those ghosts that provide comfort, you know, uh, or he could be and he could be a um, an apparition um, or more of a calming version of the quote unquote angel of death. That's a possibility. Right. Um, so. Uh, let's see. Uh, upon a little more research, uh, I wound back up at only, only in, in your state. state. <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, it, it, it says, uh, that up in the middle of the state of Wisconsin near, uh, Wausau and Stevens point sits Marshfield. This small town used to be home to a large asylum and folks say it's one of the most haunted areas in the whole state. This little Wisconsin town with paranormal activity that blows or that'll blow your mind is one of the area's scariest little secrets. Marshfield straddles two counties and in 1909, it was picked as the home for the Wood County insane asylum. The asylum. Yep. Uh, the asylum and its surrounding buildings have been of much interest to ghost hunters. The asylum, however, no longer exists, but a company stands where most of the structure once was, and they chronicle the various spirit and paranormal sightings that have occurred here. Uh, oh, I don't want to talk about the the asylum, though. I think we'll get to that. Maybe a little. Okay. Why are we talking about. 
Hmm. Well, is the whole well is the asylum a part of the hotel? Or I'm sorry, a part of the hospital? Yeah. Reading a little more about it. Hmm. Okay. Uh, did you find it found what you were looking for no i didn't that's the problem uh if you look up saint joseph's hospital it all talks about uh this asylum which is which is weird because I want to talk about the hospital. I, I'm assuming. I'm only assuming that these are one and the same or connected somehow. That's what I'm thinking too. I mean, cause if you look at the picture, I mean, it's a pretty big ass hospital. Uh, and it looks oh, like no. there's a smaller building next oh. to the hospital. Maybe that was it, maybe? Well, uh, it, it it does go on to say, I skipped down a little bit, but it, it goes on to say that the asylum isn't the only place in town that has ghost hunters interested. Uh, St. Joseph Hospital is more than 100 years old, and one of its wings is said to be haunted. Multiple patients and employees report having seen a man in black robes going in and out of rooms. And that's it. That's I. That's literally it. It just so. So two, I mean, it it, it could be a. Go ahead, I'm sorry. What were you gonna I, say? I, I, I was going to say two websites, and they they both have very very little information about the the hauntings of Saint <sighs> Joseph Hospital, other than this man dressed in all black robes, who seemingly goes in and out of rooms visiting patients or what used to be patients. Right. That one, yeah, I mean, like I was said before, I mean, it, he could be an angel of death and he ain't no telling what it is. You know, or maybe just somebody who used to be a patient there who's just maybe just wanted to stick around and make sure that, you know, he welcomes other people. If, if someone passed away, he could welcome in and welcome them into the afterlife, maybe a little bit more easier. Right. Who knows? Who knows? That being said, though, let's move on to the next one. And this is the summer wind mansion. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Summer. Yeah. Summer. Yeah. This is a uh, summer wind mansion and Landa lakes, Wisconsin. Um, now, <laughs> It is formerly known as the Lamont Mansion and is a it is a ruined house sitting on the shores of West uh, Bay Lake in Villas County, uh, Wisconsin. Ghost stories and paranormal activity have plagued this property for many years, but the wind summer wind mansion is the summer wind mansion truly haunted. Well, let's find out. In 1916, a gentleman by the name of Robert Patterson Lamont traveled to uh, Villas County, Wisconsin, in search of his next home. Nestled on the shores of West Bay Lake sat a vast and charming mansion, which had been built as a fishing lodge in the early 20th century. Mr. Lamont admired the house's array of windows, 
the picturesque landscape and quickly agreed to make the purchase. From that point forward, the magnificent house was called Lamont Mansion. The following year, Mr. Lamont allegedly hired two architects, architects from Chicago to remodel the home. Mr. Lamont had fallen completely in love with the property and hoped that he and his family would be happy there for many years to come. But their happiness was short-lived. Some legends speculate that the construction work did the, the, the construction work did more than just revitalize the house. It revitalized the spirits within the house as well. It was late one evening and the family had all settled down for the night. Mr. Lamont was walking through the house then when a specter appeared before him. The ghost terrified Mr. Lamont to no end. Trembling, he pulled out a pistol from his person and shot at the apparition. Legends claim that Mr. Lamont was so frightened by the incident that he no longer felt safe in the mansion. He woke his wife and children. They packed their necessities into the car and they quickly fled the scene. Mr. Lamont refused to return to the property from that point on regardless of his financial losses. Let's take a break oh, from wow. that and just talk about that for a second. Like, I mean, I think Mr. Lamont had pretty much the same reaction that, he, that you and me would probably have. Like, nope, you know what? You want this house? Fuck it. You got it. It's all yours. I'm out. I'm leaving. Bye, kids. Let's go. What, Amy, let's go. Everybody fucking leaving this house. Fuck all this shit. Well, what about our stuff? We'll buy new stuff. Fuck it. Let's go. <laughs> you know. Right. Right. Now, years passed. The house sat quietly, patiently. Then, then at last, at at long, at long last, the Henshaw family moved in. Lamont Mansion was purchased by Arnold and Ginger Henshaw. The young couple quickly moved in. Ginger's father, Raymond Bobber, accompanied them, though he selected to stay in a trailer on the edge of the property. Everything, it seems, was wonderful, but the Henshaws soon learned why this elegant house had been so hastily abandoned. Trouble began when Arnold and Ginger decided to begin renovations. According to legend, they, they searched quite extensively for a contractor. They offered fabulous sums of money, but nobody seemed willing to even enter the house, let alone work there. Puzzled yet undeterred, the Henshaw family remained, but many strange things began to occur. The ghost of a man clad in 18th century uh, clothing began wandering around the house at night. The Henshaws would hear the sound of a footsteps outside their room. They would hear him opening and closing doors. It seems that, fan the, the, that the Phantom loved Lamont Mansion and also wanted to call it home. Raymond Bobber often encountered this spirit on his prop on the property. Over time, he began to suspect the specter had once been a man by the name of John Carver. Carver was a colonial explorer and writer who had tra who had uh, traversed much of Wisconsin. The King of England had offered a handsome sum to anyone who discovers main waterways, particularly one that led to the Pacific the Pacific Ocean. Despite the fact that John Carver successfully explored and documented a large portion of the Mississippi River, his efforts were never recognized, nor rewarded by the Parliament. Raymond Bobber grew convinced of that. After his death in 1780, I'm sorry, yeah, 1780, 
Carver's spirit had returned to Wisconsin and had elected to haunt this property. Over time, the frequency is in which the ghost visited the mansion began to take its toll on the Henshaw family. Arnold and Ginger found they couldn't sleep at night, even fearful that Carver's ghost would appear behind every corner, behind every closed door, watching them with his eyes of the watching him with the eyes of the undead. Fear took over their lives, unable to cope. It is said that Arnold s- suffered a nervous breakdown while in the house, sick with the horror and dread. It is also said that Ginger attempted to kill herself while living at the Lamont Mansion. Whew, let's take a break from for a second. What the fuck, bro? Like this, yeah. like, like it, it, like to me. And I'm going to continue reading in just a second. But to me, and I'm going to ask you the same question: Are you getting an Amityville vibe to this? Very much so. Yeah. Okay. So, in 1979, Raymond Bobber broke his silence about what had happened at the house. He published a book under the guise of Wolfgang von Bobber titled The Carver Effect, A Paranormal Experience. In the book, Bobber named John Carver as the primary ghost that lived at the house. He called the property Summerwind and explained that the house itself had supernatural abilities. Many times he would enter a room within the house only to find its dimensions and appears had drastically and appearances have drastically changed. Many locals disparaged the publication or disparaged the publication. They claimed that the mansion had never been haunted, but Raymond Bobber stuck to his story. The following year, Life magazine featured the property in a photo essay entitled Terrifying Tales of 900, House, 900 Houses. The article was a raving success and the house's status changed forever. The Lamont Mansion became known from that point forward as Summerwind, an eerie place with a chilling reputation. It's no surprise that Summerwind often lay abandoned from that point forward. Everyone was too afraid to purchase the house. With time, the once glorified and glorious mansion grew tired and dilapidated. For many years, the mansion's sole visitors were tourists, drawn by the macabre stories they had heard. They would often walk the property in search of John Carver or other apparitions. In 1985, Villas County was thoroughly fed up with summer wind. Not only had it become a popular place for ghost hunters, but the abandoned mansion had become a local hangout place for rebellious teenagers. The house provided the perfect refuge for them in between burglary sprees, according to the article. For some reason or another, however, the sheriff's office failed in their attempts to destroy the property. Fate took care of that problem. Three years later, on June 19, 1988, neighbors claimed a raging storm whipped through the, the county. They watched in awe as a lightning bolt struck Summerwind, which quickly started a flame. The house was completely consumed by fire. Nobody tried to save it or put it out. Today, the house is gone, but Summerwind's reputation still remains. Did the house truly have supernatural powers like Raymond Bobbers claimed? Did John Carver really haunt the property, terrorizing anyone who encountered him? We may never know. Many, however, believe it to be true. Paranormal enthusiasts still visit the property to this day, keeping uh, speculation and the legend alive. 
So how are you feeling about this one? Wow. Yeah. I was thinking the same thing. Very, uh, very interesting. Yes. Yeah. I, I, I mean, wow. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I can say. That it, it's, it's a lot to take in. I, I understand. Um, I mean, just, I mean, the thought that all these different people, first of all, the, the, given the fact that, you know, Lamont, Mr. Lamont, you know, seen the apparition, said, fuck it, we're leaving. And then a couple years later, Arnold and Ginger Henshaw, you know, got it. Ginger's father, stay on the property with him. And he was actually the one who, under under the name of Wolfgang Von Bobber, had the Carver effect. Um, matter of fact, I'm going to look up and see if that book, the Carver, not the Carver Project. Here we go. Carver Effect, a paranormal experience. According to this, uh, yeah, it's four out of five on eBay, five out of five on thriftbooks.com, 3.8 out of five out of good on from goodreads.com. Um, yeah. It says that the Carver Effect is a book for people who love paranormal stories from the dimensions of the house changing when Ray and his father built the house to Ginger pull, pull, putting her father and brother under hypnosis to the skeletons found in the crawl space. Everything is covered from in the episode of A Haunting in this book. Huh. So, and I'm wondering if you I mean could you still buy it somewhere? I mean, obviously, yeah, you can still purchase it. It's it's actually got some pretty good reviews though. Um, thriftbooks.com gave it a five out of five. Um, according to this website, it gave them a five out of five. Uh, you can actually purchase it on Amazon. Uh, for the very low price of it doesn't say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> you get hardback or you can get. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the front of it, it looks very old. I mean, this was 1979 when this book was originally um, published. So, uh, and I'm looking through, I don't really see, excuse me, I don't really see uh, anything specific. Although, I, there is a couple of, uh, there is a couple of uh, people here saying, like, I highly recommend it, blah, 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 blah. One person said, good height, poor book. Um, talks about it being a fascinating tale and things of that nature. So, yeah. Anybody who wants to, a, a good ghost story about a paranormal experience, yeah, go check out The Carver Effect. Um, you can purchase it on Amazon. So, there you go. Hmm. Chip, you got you some, uh, got some reading material now. Got some reading material. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed, indeed. That means that, hey, I mean, it, and it's 89% five stars. So, I mean, it's 47 out of five in as far as off of 12 global uh, ratings. So, not bad. No, not, not bad at all. No. And I think there's all, and oh, and there's an updated 20, 2005 edition of the story. Um, yeah, I got the original one from 1979, and then there's another one from 2005. I, we, I'm not sure if that was just, uh, I'm not sure if that was just part of it or if it was a, it was a continuation of a story or what it was. I don't know. That being said, though, let's move on to the very next one on the list. 
You got it? I do. The the, the last one we're going to talk about today is, uh, I'm not sure that I'm saying this right, but uh, we're going to go with the Fister Hotel in Milwaukee, no, Wisconsin. You got it. Uh, so just three blocks away from the shores of Lake Michigan, the Fister Hotel welcomes guests with a priceless Victorian art collection, which can easily rival collections from other hotels in the world. Aside from its beauty, the hotel is also very popular for its ghostly residents. Mm-hmm. The famed Fister Hotel is one of the most haunted hotels in the entire country and arguably the entire world. There's some big shoes to follow. I know, right? Uh, it is a historical landmark in Milwaukee, which is the home of professional baseball and basketball teams uh, whenever they are in town. Major League Baseball players have reported a wide range of paranormal activity when they stayed in the hotel. Some of the things they reported are electrical anomalies, object manipulations, and apparitions. Okay. Object manipulations? Okay. Yeah. Um, Adrian Beltry, a player for the L.S. Dodgers... I think it's supposed to be L.A. Dodgers. I think they accidentally hit, uh, hit an S instead of an A. Yeah, it says L.S. Yeah, I think it's L.A. Uh, yeah, the Dodgers. I've never, yeah. never known of an L.S. Dodgers unless it's like uh, a minor league team or something. But anyway, Maybe, yeah. Um, so he uh, said to Sports Illustrated that he heard knocking on the hallway and on his door. He went out to investigate, but found no one there. Later, he saw the air conditioning and the televisions switch on and off by themselves. When he was sleeping, he was awakened by pounding noises from behind his headboard. He was so scared that he took a bat with him to bed for protection. He was only able to sleep for about two hours during his three-night stay. Wow! Apparently this ghost is a San Francisco Giants fan or something. Cause I mean, like, like I don't think so. Dodgers, you ain't getting you ain't Adrian Beltre. You ain't getting no sleep tonight, right? So yeah, we trying to win the pennant. <laughs> anyway, I am right, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right, go ahead. No, you're fine. Uh, it is funny that he did grab a bat. I mean, obviously, I mean, I mean that's your that's your go to weapon if you're a baseball player. Just go straight to the bat. Exactly. Uh, so Carlos Gomez, another baseball player who played for the Minnesota Twins, also right. experienced something paranormal a day before his big game. He heard disembodied voices. Then he saw his iPod switch on by itself. The iPod then began vibrating wildly and almost fell to the floor. He put the iPod back on the table when it started doing the same thing yet again. As well uh-huh. as the many reports of mischievous activity and electrical malfunctions, several guests have reported seeing the apparition of an elderly gentleman thought to be the spirit of none other than the hotel's founder, Charles Fister, walking the halls. Wow. Yes. I'm actually looking up. I looked up uh, when Carlos Gomez was playing for the Minnesota Twins. He he played from 2008 to 2009. 
So he only played two seasons with the Twins. Um, so it had to have happened within that time frame if they said he was playing with the Twins at the time. Right. So, you know, because then after that he played in Milwaukee for six years, and then he was a Houston. He was in. Uh, he was a Houston Astro for uh, 2015-2016 season. So. Right. But anyway, continue. Right. Um, so uh, the, the Fisher Hotel was built in 1893. $1 million as a grand hotel of the West. It's been the premier accommodation downtown in Milwaukee ever since. To this day, it continues to serve guests from all over the world and sticks to its traditions of providing gracious style and impeccable service to visitors. During a period of decline in the late 50s and early 60s, the hotel was purchased by Ben Marcus, who was determined to bring the hotel back to its former glory. Several years of renovations took place and some significant Additions were made, including a new 23-story guest room tower. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Over the years, the Fister has played host to many dignitaries and the most famous musicians and actors of the time. The most historic hotel in Wisconsin, the Fister, is a member of the elite preferred hotels and resorts resorts worldwide and historic. Historic Hotels of America, a program of the National Trust for Historic Preservation. The hotel is also a perennial winner of the Triple A Ford Diamond Award. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that's big. That's 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 a lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. The Fister Hotel serves guests with superior accommodations. All of the hotel rooms and suites have magnificent furnishings, and all are smoke free. The hotel has 307 rooms, which combine contemporary luxury and the charm of the old world, with views of the Hotel Michigan officers, or offers relaxation and incredible views to guests. Uh, there are 82 suites, which have wet bars and sitting rooms. The heritage suites have separate baths and showers, vanities, beautiful bathrooms, and California-sized beds. The King Suites are located in the historical section of the hotel. The King Suite has two rooms, a parlor and a bedroom, with one king bed. There is also a pull-out sofa sleeper in the parlor room. The Tower King and Tower Double Rooms are deluxe rooms which have spectacular views of the city and Lake Michigan. The the Fister Double Room are deluxe rooms which are located in the section of the hotel which was renovated in 2008. The Fister's Governor's Suite is a three-room suite that includes a desk, a flat-screen TV, makeup mirrors, hair dryers, and other amenities. Mason Street Grill is the hotel's martini lounge, which is located on the 23rd floor. Why would you put the grill that high up? Okay. I don't don't get it either. Uh, The grill serves high-quality wood-grilled steaks, excellent sandwiches, and delicious homemade desserts. 
The welcoming staff will make you feel right at home. The blue bar and lounge is also located on the hotel's 23rd floor, and they serve the city's best fondue. For dinner reservations, the guest service department is ready to assist. Whatever the whatever your needs are, be it extra pillows or other special requests, there is 24-hour room service. 24-hour room service, okay. Hello, room service. Yeah, there's a damn ghost uh, beating down my door. Can you come tell it to go away, please? Right. I mean, that's what I would do. <laughs> uh, and the the rooms uh, they have them priced here, and they're not really badly priced. I don't think. Uh, the Fister double rooms start at two fifty nine. The Fister King suites start at two ninety nine. The double suites start at two ninety nine. The tower double rooms start at two fifty nine, and the tower king rooms also start at two fifty nine. I mean, that ain't bad. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, I, I mean I if, if you have the money, if you I mean if you have the money to stay, obviously, yeah, right, yeah. But nevertheless, so yeah, I mean. That one's that one's interesting to me from the standpoint it's like you know like like I mean really with everything that I mean because you obviously mean because I mean for Adrian Beltran and Carlos Gomez to both be like yeah this this is a uh, this is weird this this hotel's haunted you know and and again like I mean if it was just one person who said it you know like you know but then you got two athletes who are like yeah this shit's haunted I. I got two hours sleep during my three days here. You know, no wonder I played like shit because this place was haunted, you know? And right. then what that fucks with your psyche? Like you go to another hotel, man, is this going to be as haunted as the last one was? Like, what the fuck, you know? That being said, out of all the ones that we've discussed tonight, we've discussed some good ones. Which, which few did you find the most fascinating? Well... The first on the list, and probably the most fascinating that I thought, was the Bloody Bride, Bloody Bride Bridge. Bridge. Yep. Yes. Uh, I did like Hotel Hell. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, there was another one. Um, Summer Wind, I believe. Yeah, it was. Summer Wind. Yeah, yeah. Summer the original Amityville, pretty much. <laughs> right. Uh, th- those were were my three favorites. Yeah, I I, I I liked all of them. Um, but yeah, but my three favorites would have to be Summer Wind, um, uh, Hotel Hell was okay, uh, Bloody Bride Bridge was one of those. You're like, Ugh, you know, um, but also at the same time the. The Boy Scout Lane, also Stephen. Stephen's Point, Wisconsin, was, you know, brought up a lot on this episode. Maybe that's the most scariest place in all of Wisconsin, right? Probably so. But yeah, that being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for tuning into this uh, episode of the Hauntings of. I can't, I can't believe I'm fixing to say this, but we are one episode away from the end of this. Uh, series at least in terms of talking about uh, the united states of, of america um i mean this whole series has been just great to us and to think this all started with 76 percent of our friends wanting 
us to do an entire series about the hauntings instead of just one blah episode. Um, and, and I think this was probably one of the best series that we've we've had so far. Um, and I and, and I don't get me wrong, like I love doing we talk wrestling. I love doing something about sports. I love doing are you ready for some football? But there's just something about the hauntings of every time we do it, it we, we we learn something or we get a good kick out of it, or maybe in some cases we get a little freaked out and maybe we kind of like it, you know. Um, but, yeah, and, God, to think we're one episode away from the the finale, it, it's, it's weird. Uh, how are you feeling so far about it? <sighs> Bittersweet. Uh, like, we've just poured so much into this. I don't want, I don't want to stop, but... We're, we're, I mean, we're coming to the end. It, right. it, it, it's almost here. I mean, it's literally right around the corner. Right. Because we um, got we got this episode, and then we got Wyoming, and then and and ladies and gentlemen, don't don't miss don't mistake. Like, I mean, we we, we are going to do more haunting um, things on the uh, the podcast. It might not be every two weeks like normal, but every once in a while, maybe we do like a a bonus issue of uh, the hauntings that where we talk about uh, some from England or some from all over the, you know, all over the, the world, you know, cause I, cause hauntings don't just affect the United States, ladies and gentlemen, they, they affect the entire world. Right. Um, but that being said though, uh, and again, like what Chip said, it's bittersweet, but we got one more episode coming up and uh, we look forward to that one. Hope you guys are looking forward to it as well. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, anything you want to say before we bounce out here tonight, Chip? Um, as always, check out movementradio.us. That is your one-stop shop for all things Movement Radio. A couple of quick shout-outs. Shout-out to our good friend Sean Thompson over at Thompson Personal Training. Go check out his Facebook page at Thompson Personal Training for all of his information, pricing, and things of that nature. Uh, give him a, a shout-out on Facebook. Tell him Movement Radio sent you. Uh, Jerry and Jennifer over at the Chronic Conversation Podcast. Andrew and Sean over at the Warrior Workout Network. Uh, Twitch.tv slash Demon. our good friend Ivan Montanez and his Twitch channel. Thank you guys so much again. We look forward to uh, the next episode of the hauntings of again it is going to be bittersweet but it is definitely going to be something that we look forward to and we hope you guys are looking forward to it as well that being said thank you guys we love you we appreciate you guys and we'll see you back in two weeks for another episode of the hauntings of chip let's hit him with the outro please do not leave without leaving a like comment share and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform Make sure you follow us on all of our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Check out the YouTube channel and subscribe. Click that bell to get notified of our latest videos. And also check out movementradio.us. I am Chip Hazard. And I am Talon Williams. And this is Movement Radio. God's plan.